0: Steelers fans, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer at behind the steel with me as always is Kevin Smith and wow, it is a glorious time because well, we really didn't think we were going to have a show this week. Let me bring in Kevin and we're going to talk about that coach. What
1: is up KT? Bonus football, Brian. That's very exciting. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't suspect it either. I remember on last week's show. We kind of opened by clinging to the the 5% chance or, or so that the Steelers were given to make the playoffs. And, uh, and here we are. So, you know, you, I know, you, I know, I know you love the quote, uh, you know, you love the quote dumber and dumber. You know, yep. So you're saying that there, there's a chance and it came through.
0: <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: And I don't know if I got the, uh, the score correct on the show, but when we put it in print, and when we did the uh, on the uh, hangover, actually not the hangover, excuse me, on the preview, I said 16 to 13 Steelers. There was a big part of me that during that game, I was not thinking 16 to 13 Steelers. I'm thinking, uh, gosh, well, it's over. <laughs> and they pulled it out. And while we're doing this, there's something else you and I talked about last week, Kevin. And it's this. Six games in a row when Indianapolis was on the road to Jacksonville one being an England game, but the last six Indianapolis lost all of those games. So Jacksonville found a way to beat them. They beat them with Gardner Minshew one year. They, they beat them last year with on opening day in Jacksonville and then lost the last 15 and ended up with Trevor Lawrence. So it's, it's inconceivable. Inconceivable to me that Jacksonville won that game, but I that's again where we said, Hey, at least there's a chance. So there's no reason not to tune in. And now we're feeling pretty good because we gave you some hope.
1: Yeah. Like, like you said last week, you can go sometimes playing in a stadium where there's no energy in the stadium is, is, is a tough thing to do. And I didn't watch that whole game, but from the from the bits and pieces I did see of it, you would think, okay, well, here's Indy with an opportunity to, you know, punch their ticket to the playoffs. But they went down there and they just played a listless football game. They, Jacksonville was the far more excited and enthusiastic team, and that is that seems like hard to fathom given the stakes for Indianapolis. But some, again, sometimes the environment can really affect the way that a team approaches the contest. Well, I have been watching on HBO Max the
0: hard knocks in season the first ever in season hard knocks they've ever had with the Indianapolis Colts and I've been watching that the uh, entire season I cannot wait to watch this episode to, <laughs> to see how they handle losing that game and because when they started winning this team was getting really I don't want to say cocky but they were they were very confident and they're like yep we've, we've got this now and then towards the end things started to happen like the Colts majorly put the Steelers in a hole last week. Majorly put the Steelers in a hole by
1: losing to the Raiders. Oh, yeah. I was furious. when And so, that game, That game, they should have salted that away. With their run game and a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, I figured, man, this thing's over. But no, not at all.
0: Yeah, so I, w- I was equally as furious. And then watching that game, the uh, almost tie game, was another thing that we could talk a long time about that. But real quick, do they have to do something about ties in the NFL, Kevin? Because especially scheduling that game the way they did, they could have hurt a couple of teams, not just Pittsburgh. They could have hurt Baltimore and they could have hurt Miami. But it ended up being Pittsburgh was the team that would have been hurt the most. And you're a football coach. Would you ever consider tying? High school might be different, but would you consider just laying down and taking the tie
1: so you both get in? Not if I had uh, an opportunity, anything we could possibly do to not tie, which is why the end of that game was so intriguing because I don't think anybody really quite knows what L.A. would have done had. I'm sorry, what Vegas would have done had L.A. not called time out there with about 30 seconds left. My guess is that they were going to run one more play and try to kick a field goal. I think they were going to try to win the game, and they just wanted to make sure – that they took the field goal attempt on the very last play. So really provided, you know, LA didn't block it and run it back. They wouldn't get another shot. That's my guess, but the great conspiracy theories are out there. And of course there's those that believe that if the uh, the chargers didn't stop the clock, the Raiders were just going to run it down and, and, and let the game end. I, I don't think that that's the case, but you know, we'll never know.
0: Well, that's a pretty long field goal and a pretty big risk. And there's some of them. You saw the meme out there with Austin Eckler going, "Really?" and the <laughs> uh, the Raider player saying, "Yeah, we were gonna, we we're just gonna let it run out." Um, and not meme. I'm sorry, GIF. I mix those up all the time. Yeah. One thing I don't mix up is my love for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it doesn't matter how the cake is baked, as long as it's moist and tastes great, and the icing's awesome, and you just. You're there patting your belly afterwards. So, look, this is a great tasting cake. I don't care if uh when the Steelers were playing, the baker making that cake had dirty fingernails. <laughs> but in the end, did not matter. It tasted great. In the pre COVID world, I would have probably been much cooler <laughs> with that analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you just don't know. So maybe I should just stop right now. <laughs> but just, I mean, it, it wasn't pretty. Like I always say, Kevin, you're not going to, you're not going to put it on your Christmas card. You're not going to brag about it to your friends. But you're going to celebrate it. And
1: there you go. You're celebrating in the postseason. But you know what? It, it gives you, and and I agree with everything you just said. It it gives you though a little bit of a sense of hope for this weekend's game against the Chiefs because as good as Kansas City is and, and as much of an underdog as the Steelers will be, and rightfully so, when you look at what's going on in the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks, the last third of the season, so to speak, with the Steelers and the games that they've been able to win, they've all been games in which Ben Roethlisberger specifically, but the Steelers in general, played their best football in the fourth quarter. And uh, we're able to, to, you know, put teams away, find a way to win. That's a, that's the football team that I coach. That is our slogan. Our slogan is find a way because I'm a big believer in, it doesn't really matter how you get there. You know, you, the goal is to get there and, and the good teams find a way. And while the Steelers are certainly not a great football team by any stretch of the imagination, they've found a way to win some, some games, The tough division games at Baltimore in that nasty environment in the rain, et cetera, when the offense just looked dead in the water for the better part of three quarters. And then they come alive in the fourth quarter and overtime. It just, it just gives you a sense that Roethlisberger is playing with a little bit something extra as we get down, you know, to the nitty gritty in the fourth quarter there. And I don't know what that is. He sharpens his focus somehow, or he manages to sort of take control of the offense in a way that he hadn't been able to do so earlier in the game and so that's that so as I watched the game unfold against the Ravens I actually felt pretty confident as that game as the Steelers you know closed the the gap a little bit as it got later in the game that they would win because that's sort of been the mo and it gives you a little bit of hope now can they stay with the Chiefs can they hang with the Chiefs for three quarters to get into that situation in the fourth we'll have to see but if they do I like their chances Now,
0: Kevin, let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and and put aside my dirty nailed baker. And so let's change that to the cafeteria lady without a hairnet. So (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about that right now. And you, my man, you are definitely someone that has great insight into this because you just talked about talking to your team about, about finding a way to win. And I don't care. If it's in peewee, if it's in high school, if it's at the college level, I don't care if it's division three, I don't care what it is. If it's the NFL teams have a personality and teams have that will to win. What does losing, excuse me, what does winning ugly mean to a team? All right. We escaped. You're going to do better next week. Uh, how do you approach that? And how do you keep them motivated when they escaped? And they don't have complete confidence after that win.
1: I believe I'm a big believer that those types of wins, that the types of wins that the Steelers have uh, racked up over the last several weeks are huge confidence builders, more so than when you blow teams out. That's a, that's a false confidence that while the results aren't false, you're, you're blowing teams out. They don't prepare you for adversity. I'll just speak to our football season, our high school season. We, we went, we went 11 and zero. you know, we went undefeated in the regular season. We, we won our first two playoff games, 41 to seven and 45 to 10. I mean, we were just blowing the doors off people. And we got to the sectional championship game against the team that was better and, th- and that we were definitely the underdog. And we knew we'd have to scrap and claw uh, to win that game. And we hung with them for a while, but when they started to really kind of pull away a little bit, we didn't know how to respond. And, and I think a big part of that was we had not dealt with the adversity and and we didn't quite know how to react. Meanwhile, our opponent had played a much tougher schedule than we had, and they'd been they'd been playing tight games all year long. They had been through those types of battles. And so for the Steelers, uh, the Steelers know they can win close games. And why do they know that? Because they've been doing it now for the last several weeks. They've been in close games all season long. They know they can come back. Roethlisberger has done it more than just about any quarterback in history. And and they got they got the doors blown off a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City. If if I'm the Chiefs, I'm feeling pretty good right now about drawing the Steelers. You probably saw that thing that one of the BTSC guys put up on Slack which was a panel discussion of some Kansas City journalists in which one guy basically said drawing the Steelers is better than a bye week because at least they'll, they'll get the Chiefs will get some cardio in you know, I loved right? it I, I think his name was yeah. Nick, Nick Wright maybe uh yeah I don't remember who it was but 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 if that if that seeps in at all if that mindset seeps in at all it's very dangerous and so well again I I fully acknowledge that the Chiefs are the favorite that the Chiefs should win this football game if this game stays close and comes down to the fourth quarter the Steelers based on what they've been through in the last month or so are more prepared for a close tight late football game
0: so Kevin we uh you and I we've been doing this uh quite a while now and I you noticed that I do like to switch gears and I gotta tell you as much as I enjoy talking about the Steelers in the wild card game this week let, let's pull on audible let's talk about hockey <laughs> okay so, we're going to talk about hockey and we're going to go back in time to February 11th, 1980. Do you know what happened that day?
1: February 11th, 1980. Let's see, I was in fifth grade. I had Mrs. Campo. So, I probably, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what. what I'm going to is, uh, US Olympic team, something along those lines. Okay. Well, yeah. But what specifically happened? Was that when the Russians blew our doors off? Yeah,
0: they did. That was an exhibition game at Madison Square Garden, 10 to 3. It was an absolute embarrassment. And it showed the world that this team was not ready for the Olympics. And it was one of those things that um, reminds me of when I got my driver's license. I I went to my dad and I said, (laughs) I I had just uh, had a little fender bender two days earlier. And my dad punished me by taking me for my license because I was cocky thinking I was ready. I come back and I say that I, I failed. He goes, <laughs> he started giggling. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you did. you ready to get to work. Two days later, I got it. I got my license and his tune was different. I'm proud of you. You really worked when you got down to it. You should have done it earlier, but you went to work. The reason I'm bringing all that up is I have, I don't know exactly what Herb Brooks said. The movie was disney but I will say this. I'm sure he said something like, you guys ready to get to work now? And that's exactly what, what pretty much happened. So 11 days later, on February 22nd, 1980, it was a different tune. They went four to three. They shocked the world. Do you believe in miracles? I can't remember the name of the announcer that said that. Can you help me out with that, Kevin? That was Al Michaels. Hmm. What's how Michael's doing Sunday night?
1: <laughs> I didn't know that that was going to be the setup, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess he's a, he's an absent Steelers game. He is along with uh, Chris Collinsworth, and so he will be there.
0: And I just keep thinking about how Pittsburgh, the Steelers, got their doors blown off, thirty six to ten, and it was basically thirty six to three. Kevin, that those extra seven points were a joke. You know that was garbage time. They could have the Chiefs could have easily let them get 20 more points. It, it wasn't going to matter because they were just going to, they were they dominated from start to finish. They really did. So my question to you, Kevin, is this. How do teams remember the loss when they get a chance at retribution in the playoffs? We've seen it with the Steelers before, but I'm going to ask you that.
1: Well, when you play a team in the regular season, you put forward your best game plan. And this is is pro football. This is not college where you've got Alabama playing against the Citadel because the Citadel is getting paid a lot of money to come get their doors blown off by Bama. Where Bama might say, you know, we're going to trot out our starters for the first half and and run some of our basic stuff that we want to work on. And then we're going to put you know the backups in, et cetera, et cetera. You for a team like BAM in a game like that, you work on stuff. You say this is not stuff we're going to need this week, but we're going to need this weeks from now. We play Georgia in the regular season, and we need to get good at this. Let's work on it now. The NFL is not like that. You you put out your 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 uh, best game plan every single week, man. It's it's your A plan every week. So when Kansas City game plan for the Steelers in the regular season obviously did the things that they felt were best suited for them to win that football game, which means now they've got to, you know, basically go to a a second game plan. What is their plan B because the Steelers will clearly be ready for what that plan A was. And when we think about that first game, I mean, Kansas city got out so fast. It was 17 nothing early in the second quarter. And you look at how it unfolded, right? I mean, the, the chiefs get on their first possession. They go down the field and score uh, they converted some big third downs in that drive. The Steelers played kind of sloppy. I mean, even Cam Hayward jumps offside on a third and 11 that turns it into a third and six that they convert. The Steelers get the ball back, and on the first play, they try a gadget play, and it gets picked off, and Kansas City goes right down and scores again. It's 14 nothing. you know, seven minutes into the game, and everybody knows it's over because the Steelers are not built to come back from 14 nothing down against Kansas City. So, but the interesting thing, and if I could just talk about scheme real quick, the interesting thing – that the Chiefs did in that contest, even when the game was still competitive in the first half, is they played the Steelers in straight cover two. And that's something that nobody had been doing all year because everybody's dropping safeties down into the box and crowding the box and playing man on the Steelers receivers, and they're doing all that stuff. But Kansas City recognized that Pittsburgh's only deep passing game was the jump ball outside on the sideline, that fade route you see them throw all the time where, where Claypool's just going up, one-on-one and trying to make a play. And they played cover two because it's really hard to complete that route with a two-high safety coming over. It's essentially a two-on-one on any vertical route up the sideline. And the reason Kansas City played that look was because Pat Fryermuth was did not play against the Chiefs. And Fryermuth is great operating in the underneath zones and the areas where you would need a safety to help. So when you look at what Kansas City did in that first game, it was a really specific game plan adjustment. Uh, one that the Steelers will certainly be ready for. And if Kansas City plays that cover two look again, then the Steelers have to be able to say, all right, well, what's our, what's our option? And their option is Pat Fryermuth has to have a, a, a big game. So long story short, I think the answer to your question is this. you, uh, When you assess the first game, you look at what the other team did well, and you, and you have a game plan for it, and now it becomes a brand-new chess match where, where their staff's got to come up with a new plan of attack and where you have have to essentially do the same, so it wipes the board clean, and that's for the team that lost. That's refreshing, you know. That's a, that's a that's an opportunity at another another look at it, and you might look at it with a new angle, and you might look at it with a fresh sense of awareness. You're certainly looking at it from a different uh, perspective, in the sense that like the Steelers are are on, you know they're on borrowed money right now. You know, like they're on, I I should say not borrowed money. I should say it's free money right now to them. You know, they're, they're just, uh, they're just not supposed to be here and there's no pressure on them. And Ben Roethlisberger alluded to that this week when he talked about how, you know, we're going to go out there and have fun. So I think the Steelers can feel a little more relaxed, a little more like they get an opportunity to erase the whiteboard and start over again. And all of that gives you hope.
0: Well, if you listen to let's ride on Wednesday, the caption the uh, the title of the show was the Steelers are playing with house money right now that was that's Jeff Hartman's line he loves talking about house money and they really are and and I get that but when you're playing with house money what's that mean that means you've got nothing to lose because you just were lucky enough to get into this game there was like the uh, the guy at the seat in Vegas that was supposed to play in he's like eh. He had some bad sushi at the, uh, the buffet, which never gets sushi from a buffet and <laughs> in Vegas. And he had a bow out and this guy came in and that's who the Steelers are. And there's, they're making guys really nervous. And this is, you know, I brought up the Olympic hockey team because that, that's, that's a great comparison, but we could do a whole lot better than that. And we can talk about November 28th, 2005. And I didn't look this up because this is how much this is in my brain because one of my most special times being a Steelers fan. And I believe the final score was 28 to three, Monday night football, the Indianapolis Colts. I, th- I believe on one of the first few plays that Marvin Harrison just absolutely abused like Taylor on a bomb, yep. 80 yards. And <clears throat> I believe that game finished 28 to three. Then on January 15th, of that year, it's a different story. And at that time, this was a team. This was, this was a team in the form of the Indianapolis Colts that were, they were 13 and zero before they lost 12 and O 13. And zero something like that. They were that darn good, Kevin. And then they, they turn around and the Steelers shocked the world, shocked the football world, definitely shocked that team. And Kansas City Chiefs are right now, if anybody's going to think about who the Super Bowl favorite is right now, I know all the betting lines are saying the Chiefs. So this bodes well for the Steelers, and that's something that I'm excited about. But the bottom line and something that you said over and over when you were talking about this was plan. They've got to have a plan. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that plan and talk about who on Kansas City is most equipped to thwart that plan and how they've got to deal with those guys we're going to do that when we come back right here on here we go the Steelers pregame show from behind the i was about to give
1: up when i saw you coming outside the
0: Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. KT Smith, the coach, is alongside me. And if you did not hear the first part of this show, go back and check it out. Kevin, with some fantastic analysis of how the Steelers got here. Where? To the wild card game. They are the seventh seed. They are in the dance. Now, how do they stay there, Kevin? That's the big thing. You keep on talking about the Steelers have got to follow a plan especially when you got destroyed the way they did on December 26th, appropriately called Boxing Day. Well, that was a knockout. That was like Mike Tyson in 1988, just schooling Michael Spinks and guys in 51 seconds. That's the way that was. But could the Steelers be James Buster Douglas in 1990? We'll see, Kevin.
1: Well, I remember both those fights really well. The Spinks fight was in Atlantic City which is right near where I live. I you know, live 15 minutes from Atlantic City. And uh, we all went over to Atlantic City. We didn't have tickets to the actual fight itself, but the other casinos were showing it live on big screens. And so we were there in town. And I would say about 80% of the people who intended to show up to watch that fight missed it <laughs> because it was over yeah. 91 seconds. You know? <laughs> but, That's why they anyway. don't have
0: boxing matches in L.A. Everybody in
1: L.A. shows up. Yeah. like you're The third inning for the
0: Dodgers, the second quarter for the Rams.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so, uh, to, you know, your point about a plan before the break, you were talking about that Colts game from 2005. So if you think back to that game, and I know a lot of people won't remember this, but I remember it really clearly in the first game. Like you said, uh, Indianapolis got out of the gate, hit Harrison on a big play early stole the momentum. The Steelers go back on offense and they're trying to slam the football. They were a very run-oriented team then, obviously, and they're trying to slam the football down, uh, down Indy's throat with Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis. And, and Indy's dropping a safety and playing really, really aggressive. Fast forward a few weeks later to the playoff game and the Steelers come out in the same heavy formations. They're, they're using double tight end stuff with, with Heath Miller and, uh, and they've got a fullback on the field and the bus is out there. And what do they do, man? They go right. They go right to play action, tight end down the seam. And who are they picking on? They're picking on Bob Sanders, who's the who's the great safety for Indianapolis, who's super aggressive filling. And he comes flying up, and Heath Miller runs right past him, and they and they hit a couple real big play action uh, passes to Heath Miller, and now the Steelers get out on top. So what's the point? The point is that it's the, in, in a rematch. No matter what happened in the first game, no matter what happened in the first game, no matter if it was a close game, a blowout, whatever. The team that makes the better adjustments to what happened in that first game uh, gives itself an advantage. Doesn't guarantee they're going to win, but certainly gives themselves an advantage. And so for the Steelers in this game, a, a fast start is so important. They cannot get down quickly to the Chiefs. Just like we, you know, like we said earlier, they're down 17-0 early in the second quarter and that game was over. So so how are they gonna, how are they going to get out of the gate? Well, on offense, they've got to change up the plan. They've got to look at what they've done and, and try to do some different things out of some sets in which they, there's already a template, right? Line up in some of the same sets you've lined up in forever. Even line up in the same sets you lined up in in the first game against Kansas City. But do different things out of those sets. They don't have to reinvent their entire offense. They need to put new looks on old habits so that Kansas City is prepared for A and the Steelers give them B. You know, And then one more thing real quick, they can't turn the ball over, man. They had three turnovers in that first Kansas City game, and the Chiefs had none. So you go, you go minus three in the turnover department, and I think those three turnovers led to 17 Kansas City points. You give the Chiefs 17 points on turnovers, you're going to lose.
0: We are not done talking about that Indianapolis game. We are going to talk about that game when we get to defense as well, because I have an <laughs> anecdote from an actual stealer there. But let's continue to talk here. You mentioned earlier in this show how valuable Pat Fryermuth is. Is that obvious that he's so valuable? Where do they need to go? We don't know what's going on with Najee Harris. As of Wednesday, he did not practice, but that was the first day of practice. Najee Harris, it is, I mean, we don't, I don't have to ask you the question how important he is to this game because that's everybody knows how important 22 is to this football game and to the Steelers' chances. Let's assume that he's in there. What do they need to do on offense besides what you said about Friar You talked about the different looks, the, the new look on an old look. But what does that look like to you? Can you give me one example?
1: Well, so the Steelers have increasingly run 12 personnel formations. And one thing that they don't do, or they haven't done, I should say, that frustrates the heck out of a lot of Steelers fans, is attack up the seam with those tight ends. They haven't done it very well. And if you if you think back to the Baltimore game, I did I did a breakdown for the website uh, yesterday on the the overtime drive that led to the game winning field goal last week at Baltimore. And one thing phenomenal, that, by the way, phenomenal. Oh, thanks, man, appreciate it. Um, but one thing that was interesting about that drive was how how they attacked the middle of the field. I mean, they ran they ran a couple mesh routes where they're hitting they're hitting receivers right right in uh, over the over the center essentially the big fourth and eight conversion to McLeod is on an in cut where he he's the slot receiver and he cuts in and he catches the football in the middle of the field. There there's so much real estate that's open in the middle of the field because teams just ignore it in coverage because they don't, they know the Steelers don't throw there. And, and there's reasons for that. You know, Matt Canada's got his reasons for not wanting to throw in there. I mean, those routes take longer to develop and you got to be able to protect the passer. So a leads to B leads to C, you know, I mean, whereas throwing the ball in the middle of the field is C. And if we can't do A and B, then we can't get to C. But uh, the Steelers have to find a way to be able to do that. They've got to be able to exploit some weaknesses. So to answer your question, let's go 12 personnel. You know, a a look the Steelers love out of of 12 personnel is tight end wing. So you got your two tight ends and like a wing set to one side. And now you've got a slot to the other side. And they'll run a lot of weak side zone out of that look where they run run zone to the slot side. or, Or they'll run it. Uh, up the a gap and the back will look to wind it back to the slot side. I mean, that gives an op- a good opportunity for tight ends to get down the seam as the back start to f- flow with the run action. So I really, really want to see them, you know, try to attack the middle of the field off of the looks that Kansas city will probably be accustomed to. So let's switch
0: over to defense and we're going to talk about personnel first for the Kansas city chiefs. You know, it used to be just the past couple of years that the defense was so bad in Kansas city. It's really bad where Pat Mahomes and that offense had to do everything. Now you look at a team like this, they've got Tyran, Tyran Matthew, who I think is one of the best safeties in the league and he can, they got him, at a bargain and kept him. They paid money to keep him, but they got this guy at a bargain and he has changed their fortunes over completely. Chris Jones, in the middle of that defensive line, he is a game wrecker. The Sid kid as a linebacker, I think is really good. You've got a guy like Frank Clark and now the Steelers gave them a gift for a sixth round pick. And we're not going to get into how much we... Love or hate that deal right now. Most people are fearing that deal because Melvin Ingram the third wrecked that game. And if it wasn't for Melvin Ingram the third last week, the Steelers are probably playing, I would probably say Tennessee this week. So, with that being said, I gotta tell you, there's some guys on that defense that are really scary. Who scares you the most?
1: And they've got a lot of players. I think uh, the guy, all those, all those guys you just named are are, are very good players. Um, the guy who uh, who's been really good for them, as a matter of fact, is their leading tacklers, that rookie linebacker Nick Bolton, who I remember last year when we were talking yeah. about draft stuff on the website. A lot of people liked it, liked the, uh, him, and a lot of people were bringing his name up. Missouri kid, and right? He, what's in Missouri kid? Yeah, he's the one who 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 scooped it up and took it to the house last week after Ingram made the, made the play on that fumble that was uh, going to really probably salt that game away for the Broncos. But um, yeah, he's, he's a very good player. That Bolton kid, he, he gets side to side. He's a, he's a real, he's a really nice tackler. But the thing that makes him so effective too, is the fact that the defensive line led by Jones and now Ingram, Ingram's playing really well. And um, you know, Jaron Reed's a nice player too. I mean, they're, they're keeping blockers off of him. So, so it, when the Steelers in the run game, they got to be able to get to the second level. They got to be able to cover up uh, Bolton and the linebackers in order to, you know, sort of give Najee an opportunity to make some cuts. The Steelers ran the ball fairly well in that first game. They ran for like 130 yards. Now some of it was kind of late, uh, you know, when the, when the contest had been decided, but but a lot of it had to do with the fact that Kansas city was in that cover too. And they weren't dropping that extra safety. Uh, and, you know, another positive is that the Steelers have been pretty good in the last couple of weeks since, uh, since Chris Morgan took over as the line coach at running their inside zone game. So, you know, you put those, t- those couple of things together and, you know, you get a little bit of hope. You know, maybe the line will be good enough to get the backers covered up. Maybe Kansas City, when they play that too high look, the Steelers can run some inside zone.
0: Real quick, you could just give the name on offense for the Steelers. Who's the guy?
1: <sighs> uh, I think it's Ben. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it. I, I really, I, honestly, I really think it's Matt Canada. I, I mean, I, I know that that's I'm he's going, not a player. I'm going with you there
0: because you okay. can't
1: you can't come alive in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and Canada called a great game late, late on late in that game. He really, did, and I, I, I still haven't figured out how the Steelers call plays, and uh, because Ben makes so many pre snap reads, so so often he knows who he's throwing the ball to. Uh, as soon as the ball is snapped because he, 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 he makes that, he, he assesses the pre-snap look at the defense and he decides where he wants to go. But I think more and more what, what Canada does is, especially late in games when the Steelers know they have to throw the ball, is he gives Roethlisberger two different route combinations. He'll give him like a man beater uh, in case the team plays man on one side of the field and he'll give him a coverage beater on the other side of the field where so if they're anticipating cover two, like for example the, the the phenomenal throw roethlisberger made to pat firemuth last week to convert that third and eight early in the overtime drive wh- where where firemuth was just blanketed uh by tony jefferson in coverage and roethlisberger made an amazing throw right on the money uh that you know that was the the steelers ran a coverage beater in the middle of the field and they ran a cover two beater to the boundary and uh roethlisberger you know wound up throwing to the boundary because he got a cover two look it turned into a man look but uh, I think increasingly that's what they do, and so Canada's got to be able to anticipate what Kansas City's going to do defensively, and and you know he's got he's got to have answers for that man because like you just said, right? We can't if, if, if the Steelers offense, wait till the fourth quarter to get going. Uh, it's going to be like last time, you know, they're going to get going when the score is thirty-five to seven or whatever,
0: and that's not going to cut it in Kansas City. No. So we're talking about the Steelers defense now, and I teased this earlier. I have a little anecdote about the Indianapolis game. And I had the pleasure, my dad and I, uh, I had a buddy that ran an autograph shop and he was having, he was having at a mall in uh, in Cumberland, Maryland. He was going to have Dan Kreider and Veron Haynes signing, signing uh, autographs. And there's a lot of, this was right after the Super, this was in April. So it was right after the Super Bowl, about two months. And he asked us, could you go pick Veron Haynes up at the airport? And we're, and that was no problem. And something happened. Veron missed his flight. And instead of going to BWI, we had to go over to Reagan International Airport to pick him up. So there was a lot of time in the car. And we were talking about everything, family, everything under the sun. Veron Haynes is a fantastic person. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And I said to him, I said, I uh don't wanna I don't wanna talk to you about the Steelers way too much, talk about football. But I've got one question for you. And he stopped me and said, You can ask me anything you want. I love talking about it. I think That's it's cool. awesome talking about it because my friends were making fun of me. He's like, You're gonna be like you Chris Farley with Paul McCartney. Hey, hey, (laughs) you, you remember that time you were in the Beatles and (laughs) yeah, that that was awesome. You know, I mean, they pictured me doing that. So Uh I said, I said, look, I'm going to ask you just one question. It ended up being a lot more football talk, but my question to him was what did you guys know going into that second Indianapolis game? And he said to me, he said, it was simple. It was on defense. We had to make sure that when there was just five seconds left on the, uh, on the clock, that we would switch our formation and it was planned out to a T to confuse Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning's one of the smartest guys ever to play quarterback. There's no denying it. I would, I said this the other day on a show and I I'll say it again. If you bring up, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and Terry Bradshaw and say, who's the smartest player ever to play? It's going to be the guy that didn't wear black and gold in this situation. I think Ben's very smart. I I think uh, Bradshaw was a lot smarter than anybody thought he was. But Peyton Manning is brilliant. And we know that. And that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. But they confuse the heck out of him. So my question to you, Kevin, is what do the Steelers need to know going into this game to be able to beat this team?
1: Well, in the first game, the Steelers were really worried about Kansas City's speed, even though uh, even though Hill didn't play. Wait, wait, did Hill play? Which one Hill, didn't play? Kelsey Hill, did
0: Hill, Kelsey did not play. Hill okay. was very limited. He caught two balls, and they were in the first quarter. But Hill, Hill's beat up in for this game too. He hurt his he hurt his foot again or ankle right before uh, the Denver game on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, even without Hill uh, or or him banged up or him at seventy percent or whatever, it's that's still a really fast offense. Uh, and, I mean, Nicole Hardman is a is a flyer, and the Hilar kid is is as quick as can be, and and even this Byron Pringle is a quick guy. You know, they got, they just got speed everywhere. And so the Steelers were really worried about giving up the home run balls, and they played pretty soft. You know, they 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 played the let's not get run by defense, and. Um, Kansas City exploited it. They did a really nice job with the short passing game, and they kind of dinked and dunked. They went back to Andy Reid's uh, roots as a West Coast guy, and uh, and Mahomes was disciplined enough. I think Mahomes ended the game like twenty three out of thirty, something like that, uh, which you know shows you that he was taking what was there, and what was there was the short stuff, and they were moving the chains and um, making yards after the catch because those guys are tough to get on the ground. So, so the Steelers got to make some. Decisions. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a pick your poison to a degree with Kansas city's offense. If, if you play tighter and press them, you run the risk of getting beat deep. And if, if you do the opposite, then you run the risk of what just happened in the, in the game a couple of weeks ago. So they got to make a decision about that. Honestly, though, if, if I'm the Steelers, I'm going to take a shot at being more aggressive at the risk of giving up the deep stuff because I, you know, Mahomes throws a great ball, but he hasn't been as good this year with the deep ball and he has shown that if you pressure him and you get him running around he'll make some mistakes you know he has shown that he's not you know he's not immune to kind of throwing one up for grabs or rolling to his right and chucking one back across his body to the middle of the field you know we see him play some hero ball every once in a while so again man i just think the steeler's need to hit kansas city with a different game plan and defensively then that means Uh, more man coverage, more pressure, take some chances. You're not going to win the game by playing it safe. So, so they're going to have to take some chances and, and uh, convert when they're there.
0: Absolutely. Here's one guy I want to talk about. It's Mika Fitzpatrick. He had the play of the game when he hit Hollywood Brown. I don't think that guy never quits. We talk so much about TJ Watt because TJ Watt is the team MVP well deserved He just broke, he didn't break. He just tied the sack record. We're hoping he's going to break it, but that looks like that's, uh, uh, that's like a conference call and a meeting that you can't count on that. I'm just glad that he's in the equation. I mean, he tied it. I mean, he's there. He's one of the Kings. You could have two Kings. That's fine. We know how important Cam Hayward is, but Minka Fitzpatrick is the guy that after a, a play, is made. He's the one that's going to finish it because when I, the reason I'm saying that is a guy like Hayward and a guy like Watt, they're making plays. They're going after the quarterback. They're, they're bringing a guy down um, before they even get started. They're disruptors. Mika Fitzpatrick is not a disruptor as much as he's a defender in the truest sense where He's got to make when they make a play, he's got to turn that play into nothing. He's got to negate it. So he has to be the negator. How important is Minka Fitzpatrick to this team? Just
1: or just a little bit below. I think he's just as important. Well, that play you just referenced uh that that you could make a clinic video out of that I actually I actually uh, screen recorded it and sent it to our our defensive backs on our team. And uh, just with a little message there about, you know, this is how you finish a play. Uh, it's everything that you, everything a guy gets coached to do about how to, how to break the guy's hands, how to hammer down on the football. If you can't, if you can't make the play, you know, here's how you finish the play, just like you said. And that was, that was textbook. And that was huge. That probably kept uh, Justin Tucker from having a chance to kick a field goal. And we, 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 know what usually happens when he gets a chance. So, so, but to the the broader point, this is a game, this playoff game with Kansas City. The Steelers are the underdog, and they're going to have to go into Kansas City and play their best game. And and even the, even their best game probably won't be enough. They're going to hope that in, in the process of playing their best game, Kansas City does not play their best game. Uh, so for the Steelers, their their best players have to play great, and that's TJ, and that's Minka, and that's Cam Hayward, and that's Ben Roethlisberger, you know, and that's and that's Deontay Johnson, and that's and that's a, even though he's a rookie, that's Najee Harris, man. Those guys have to play great. Obviously the offensive line has to be able to do its job. Uh, They've shown some life in the last couple of weeks and they've got to continue to progress. It's just a situation, man, where like, you know, it's not going to be good enough uh, for Ben to play average or for Minka not to have a splash player too or for TJ to get shut out on the, you know, in the sack column. I mean, that's not going to be good enough. Those guys have to play their best games so the, the good news is these are guys who who when the when the lights are the brightest tend to show up so that makes you feel good
0: wow that i could not have said that any better one thing i'm going to say is i've never said this in my life i said it the other night in tribute to these three gentlemen but roll tide i hate alabama but <laughs> we need we need the tide to turn this game we need hour we need Minka and we need Naji, as fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers, to go ahead and make this happen. Because I got to tell you, these guys—I mean, even JC—he's very important because he's lining up next to Chris Jones. And you talked about the offensive line, so at center number sixty is a big deal here too. So, man, it—it it feels a little refluxy in, in the top of my throat saying it, but
1: Roll Tide. <laughs> Well, if you don't want to do Roll Tide, man, then you can make us make us a Jersey guy, man. So we always like to say about Jersey football, man, that guys are Jersey strong. So, uh, so Make us a make us make us Jersey strong if you don't want to have to shout out to the Tide there.
0: Well, I, I don't know where. Uh, well, I know Naji's uh, from the West Coast, and yeah. uh, I don't know where JC's from. I imagine him being a southern a southern fellow, but I I don't know. Oh, I will definitely have to look that up. But (laughs) all I know is I'm going to agree with you completely. Yeah, they just everybody just has to be on top in this game. Everybody, they do have to play their best game and they've got to uh, and I do not expect anybody from Kansas City not to play their best game, but I expect the Steelers and guys like Minka and guys like Ben force them into having their worst game. And that's what needs to happen. It's uh you you got to lay it all on the table with this one. There's
1: there's no turning back. First drive will tell us a lot. First drive on defense. If the Steelers can get Kansas City off the field without points on that first drive, that will be absolutely huge for their confidence. I think it'll be huge for for the defensive staff, the confident, their confidence as well because they'll feel like, you know, the what they, what they saw on film all week long And the plan that they came up with to combat that, that 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 worked in the first series. And it'll probably embolden them and make them feel a little bit more confident in the rest of their game plan as well. I can tell you this. If you 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 spend so much time game planning, you spend so much time breaking down film. You practice the heck out of it. You you go over it in your mind again and again and again and again. And there's nothing more demoralizing than when you line up and that other team just goes right down the damn field and scores on you, because it makes you question everything that you've prepared for. So obviously if you know, Kansas City did that in the first game and everything steamrolled from there, the Steelers can get a stop early and, and build a little confidence, not just in their players, but with their coaching staff in terms of the game plan that they've prepared, that'll be huge.
0: Well, it's time to put the money where the mouths are. So you and I are going to do it. We are on the spot here. I'm going to let you go first. Kevin
1: prediction for this game. <laughs> uh, you sucker. You're going to make me go out there on my own first. All right. Um, I've said all these things about all the reasons why, as to why I think that the Steelers can win and the things that they have to do to win, and I don't think they're going to win. I mean, I I do believe all those things. I do. I, I believe that they've got the. They certainly have a chance to win. They're going to need to play their best game, and they're certainly capable. I think they will. That they will um, make a much better show of it than the first time around. But it's a pretty tall task to go into Kansas City and win in the playoffs against against a Chiefs team that unfortunately has put its worst football this season behind him. It's playing pretty well right now. So I think the Steelers can hang. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But in the end, I just think Kansas City's got a little too much. So I'm going to go uh, like 31-20 Chiefs.
0: All right. I have been thinking so much about the Houston Oilers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about this game already. I'm going back to 1989 and I'm thinking that there is no reason that these guys should win. And I'm going to go back to last week when we were talking about the 5% chance for the Steelers to make the playoffs. They've defied those odds. This team, this Steelers team of 2021 is actually a better team than that team in 1989. So I've got to believe that. Like Mike Tomlin said yesterday, yeah, we have no problem with the, and I'm paraphrasing because he was asked the question about taking care of Ben Roethlisberger. And okay, Ben has had three last games now. I mean, the one in Cleveland, the was the last game at home, and last week was supposed to be the last game ever in a Steeler uniform, and now it's going to be his last playoff game. We keep on, we keep on doing this where he's like, "Hey, I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready." And I got to believe that this team is ready for Ben to not be ready, which means that the chiefs and Nick Wright coming out and saying that, Hey, you know what? This is better than a bye week because we got the cardio up. Like you were talking about that, that quote earlier, that kind of stuff sets in and the team that's playing with house money, the team that has nothing to lose well, they could just shut you up in a hurry. And I think it's time for that to happen. I'm really hoping it's going to happen. And I'm just going to say that, heck, I'm going to try to will it to happen. So I could, be, I could be playing with my heart right now and not my head, but it doesn't matter. 23-21 Steelers.
1: Let's go. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm are you ready? Are you, are you fired up now? Even Let's more? go. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready to go, man. Let's go. Let's put it on now. And I, I, I am too. I want to put on pads. I would get, I would be, uh,
0: my family would be mourning my loss after the, uh, the first hit of the first play. But, but I would love to put, I would, I would go down swinging. I'd go out that way. I want to play in that game. I'm so pumped. But I guess I guess what I'll have to do is I'll just have to reserve myself to talk in your locker room next year with one of
1: my uh, one of my ridiculous pregame speeches. <laughs> that that is an invitation that one day I hope gets filled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, this is going to be awesome. I you know what we will be talking on our own private Slack channel, which we do during these games. It's great to you know throw out things. This is going to be something special, and I hope it stays special. And I want to say this to all of you. You know, we can't do these shows without you. We don't have a live chat here because this show's not done on Facebook or YouTube. You're listening in your car. You're listening at home. You're a security guard, or you're working the counter at Sheets. doesn't matter what you're doing. You're working. You're out there. You're noble for doing it. And we appreciate everything you do, and we appreciate all the support. But what I'm going to say to you is it's not just this. If you want to check out articles, if you want to read articles, the man I'm talking to, the man you've been listening to for the last 40 minutes is one of the best in the business of breaking things down on paper, on your computer screen, just as well as he is on the radio. Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, those guys are absolutely fantastic writing as they are speaking. So you got to check all that stuff on the editorial side podcast side. There's so many great guys to listen to Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict on Wednesday night. If you have not heard this show, go back and check it out. Had Joe Valerio, former offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, who talks about the Chiefs on Believe in Chiefs on that network. Great show. You need to go ahead and check that out as well. We're going to find ways to surprise you and get the best possible Pittsburgh Steeler commentary, the best possible Pittsburgh Steeler news and notes. We're going to have it for you first. So check us out, please, and continue to check us out. We can't do this without you, and you have really been making us do well, and we thank you for all of that. So with that being said, we need you to do three things. We need you to definitely, definitely stay safe. It's crazy out there. We need you to stay true to yourself. Be you. That's the only thing that matters. Don't be afraid to have the opinion. I don't. Kevin doesn't. We all, we are not afraid to do that. But the third thing, always be behind the steel curtain. With that being said, I'm Brian Anthony Davis for Kevin Smith. We love you. Thank you very much. Get that terrible towel and start twirling now. We need you to will this team to win. We love you.